0: What makes it possible to navigate the path forward is courageous permission. And when I say courageous permission, I mean courageous permission not to know yet. Welcome to Messy and Magnificent, the place driven women come to elevate their career, health, and relationships. In here, we increase your productivity by replacing always being busy with the space to breathe, hear your own wisdom, and be part of a sisterhood that has your back. My name is Carly Fain, and together we're going to make sure that you have a doable plan and the roots to rise. Welcome, it's your messy and magnificent gal in residence, Carly Fain this is episode 10. It's official. We are in the double digits. Now, here's one funny byproduct of working with a lot of famous clients is the comparison syndrome can be off the charts for me. I remember when I first opened an Instagram account, I don't know, probably about four years ago. And I had, you know, five, you know, friends on there and then 10 and then 15. And I'm looking at my clients who have like literally millions of followers and I'm just constantly feeling behind and I find that not only is this a common characteristic for those of us who are online and can compare ourselves to other people, but I also find for driven women in general that we're rarely impressed with ourselves. We are always setting new goals for ourselves. So if we wanted to reach 10, we're already, when we're halfway there, we're thinking we should be reaching 20. And if we're getting close to 20, we're already planning the next 50. And I've come to find the value of celebrating these little milestones along the way. They're meaningful. This is 10 episodes where we've been able to have conversation back and forth. And when I look back, we have covered a lot so far. So I cannot wait to see see what we do next together and I'd be curious to hear from you sometime what would be easy to glaze over but it's actually an achievement worth acknowledging you can send me those kind of messages I get them all the time on Facebook and on Instagram people saying Carly I want to celebrate this win but I don't know who to tell it to bring it to me sister I will celebrate right along with you So there is this funny phenomenon that I'm noticing within my practice, but also kind of in general across the board. I'm getting a lot of questions that sound something like, am I on the right path? And sometimes they show up with questions like, how do I know if I'm doing the things I should be doing or the thing that's the best for me? Carly, is this my path? Or if things are feeling really hard, does that mean I'm not doing what I should be doing? Or if it feels like a struggle or if it feels forced or if it feel like it's taken a lot of effort or a lot of time, does that mean I'm out of alignment? Does that mean I'm off the path I should be on? I am not sure where this whole idea of having a path originated or having to know exactly what your passion and your purpose is. It sure is popular though, right? It's a really popular notion. It sells a lot of self-help books and Lord knows I love a good self-help book or a good personal growth story. But I have a belief that this idea of knowing what our path is leads more people to feeling miserable than it does to feeling inspired. It leads people to wonder consistently, am I doing the right things? Am I doing what I quote should be doing? Am I doing this right? So that's a lot of pressure, right? My plan for us today is to make sure that that pressure is mitigated, that you can start to feel like you can breathe again on the spot during this episode, and that you know exactly how to navigate your path forward without having to have it all figured out yet. I read you know, an article recently by a psychologist that works specifically with millennials, and she was talking about how for a lot of her clients who are in their 20s, she's noticing that she's getting a lot of questions about, am I doing my life right? And she's never seen so much of this all at once within a certain demographic. And as I was reading this research, I thought it was really interesting because I also see the same thing with a lot of millennials in my practice, but really it's, it's all women of all ages. It's definitely not just a millennial issue. I find it's with folks who are introspective. People who want to live a life intentionally will brush up against this question, this question of am I doing it right or what is right for me and how do I know if I'm hot on the trail or something or not? So I just want to float this idea out there. This is a belief that I have, which is that there is not one ideal way of doing things that works for everybody, and that is more than okay. And not everybody is born with a passion for knowing exactly what they want to do. In fact, I sure as heck wasn't. I remember being in high school, even in middle school, and one of my dear friends, Ashley, who I just admired, still do to this day, she knew two things about herself. She knew her religion because she grew up in a family that had one religious belief, and she knew she wanted to be a doctor, like bing, bang, boom. And I grew up in a family with multiple religions, so I wasn't exactly sure how spirituality worked yet. And I had like four things I could see myself wanting to do, but none of them felt even solid yet. I had no idea what they were. And I was so jealous of people that had it all figured out. Like, even at a young age, like, I, I just wanted to know what the path had to be. And I don't know if you heard the last episode that we just did, so episode nine, where I talked a little bit about my path and how I found myself and my, the current job that I'm in right now. But I shared a lot behind the scenes of exactly the evolution of my business and, and of my personal life and how I how I arrived where I am right now and where I'm evolving to. And one thing is really clear is that I do not have all the answers. Like, I almost never do. There are these rare moments where I know I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. But otherwise, I just have a general sense of moving forward. So today, I just want you to know that if you don't know what your passion is exactly or you're not exactly sure about your path yet, it does not mean that you are lost. It does not mean that you're wandering around aimlessly. So instead, we're gonna do two things. First, we're gonna talk about the arc of transformation. This is a visual arc. It's a visual image and I'm a visual learner. So it kind of gives a, an outline visually of what walking your path might actually look like so that you know the road signs along the way. So you know what you keep an eye out for. It helps to have a map, right? (laughs) It just helps. And then I'm going to share two awarenesses that women who are able to walk their own path already know. This is kind of like their GPS system. This is the navigational tools that light the way in the darkness as they're starting to figure things out for themselves. So I hope that that speaks to you. And I want to give a shout out before we dive into somebody who's walking the path with me. This was a listener named Alex who wrote a comment on iTunes. She said, so helpful. I love that this podcast is a reminder that self-nourishment and care is foundational to everything else that we do. Carly is so skilled at sharing amazing, doable, and practical tools and insights on how to create a life you deeply love and cherish. Oh, Alex, thank you. This is such a rich comment. You hit the nail on the head. You really described what I believe, which is that self-nourishment and care is foundational, just from a practical sense, like not just because it feels good, which it does, but because we all make better decisions when our cup is a little bit full. And when we're chronically rushed or feeling like we have to do, do, do more and more and more all the time, we begin to make hasty decisions. And so it doesn't mean that you have to, in every moment, be the most nourished woman in the room. But if you could be 1% more nourished, then you might make slightly better decisions. And you might stand out just a little bit more in the sea of people that are all doing the hustle. You could be the one who's doing something a little bit different. So thank you, Alex, and everybody who is leaving comments on iTunes or wherever you're tuning in. Please keep them coming. If you haven't made a comment yet, I really encourage you to do that. I read them and I would love to give you a shout out too. Now, there's this old joke. So bear with me here. I'm going to do my best not to not to butcher it. And it's about people coming over from other places to the United States back in the turn of the century, back in the early 1900s. And a lot of people were coming in at the same time. And there was a woman coming over from Europe to the U.S. because she heard that the roads were paved in gold and that anything was possible here in America, that this was the place to be to forge your own future. And so She does what you would think. She makes this incredibly arduous journey to cross the sea, to get here. She arrives on the shores and she looks around and she realizes, oh my goodness, not only are the roads not paved in gold, they're not even paved yet. (laughs) And furthermore, she's going to be the one who's expected to be paving them right? Like she's the new labor that's just arrived. And this is kind of like a wake-up call. And I think it's a really beautiful way of looking at what it feels like for a lot of us when we begin to walk a new path. We have this inspiration of an idea. We think, ooh, I want to change into this career or this line of study or this really interesting thing, or I want to move to this location. And we just begin right? We see that there must be this light at the end of the tunnel and then we just begin. And then, (laughs) no sooner do we begin, then things might get a little tricky, a little hard or a little unexpected. And now here we are. Not only is there not a gold path in front of us, there's not even a path. We've got to carve it out for itself. And so as we begin to explore, we might realize that creating a life that we love means that it's not always going to be handed to us. It's not always going to be paved. It's something we cultivate. In other words, passion isn't something we all just get. We're not all born with passion. We create it. We try something and we see if it hooks us. And if it doesn't, then we might try something else. And again, listen to the last episode on my life story if you want to hear about all the funny things I tried and how lost I continually felt before things began to click together. So this is why I want to talk about the idea of the transformational arc. This is research that comes to us from Joan Borstanko, who is a great author. She's written a number of books worth reading. I'll make sure I put some links to her information in the show notes here she's also really big in the field of positive growth and transformation and resiliency. And she brought us this formation of a transformational arc. And we've actually seen this shared by a number of really intelligent people throughout history. The Romans and the Greeks were really big into this arc. Dante, who wrote The Inferno, was really into this idea of an arc. And I even think of some modern writers like Seth Godin. He's a great author for quick business reads that are really like insightful and smart. He calls this arc the dip. It's all the same thing, right? It's the shape that is the actual outline of our path forward. Our path forward, our path into growth is less of a line and a lot more like the shape of a smile, (laughs) meaning it, you know, we're walking along, it starts at one point and then it dips down there's this dip in the middle of walking our path or each portion of our path and then it begins to arc up again on the other side so if you could imagine you took a pen and you'd started to draw a straight line down a piece of paper from left to right and then it dips down and makes this kind of smile shape and then it comes up on the other side and then continues in another straight line. And that time and time again, we walk the path, we dip, we walk the path. We walk the path, we dip, we walk the path. So maybe you're thinking about making a career shift or making a change within your existing career or your relationship and you're a little motivated to begin and you start to live into that and then the dip begins. We enter what Dante would call the dark woods. We begin to become separated from life as usual. So as we follow that path and it begins to go downward, we enter what folks would have called the purgatory or purgatorio, right? This is where we enter into the darkness, into unknown territories. It's when we're separated from what we once knew. This is a space where we begin to question our beliefs. It's that moment between when we are no longer where we were, but we are not yet in the new place. It's liminal time. And liminal is from Latin. It means a threshold, as in you are entering something new. And we can see that we're in the doorway or that we've just walked through the doorway, but we don't see everything else outlined in front of us yet. And for a lot of people, this can be a really uncomfortable time. And I want to give you a very real world example of this. This just happened yesterday with a client. We'll call her Sally. And she posted in one of the group coaching programs that I run. She said, I've noticed in my life, as I reflect in the last couple of years, that I've had a lot of people that I've had relationships with that just weren't healthy for me. They just took my energy and they weren't there for me. And it was really draining and exhausting. And so I've made the conscious decision to lean back and to not overexert myself and overexpend myself for people who will just take, 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 take from me and never be able to reciprocate. She said, that said... I haven't made a bunch of new friends yet. And so I find myself tonight feeling lonely. I find myself wanting to just binge eat, which has been a pattern of mine, but I know I don't want to do that either. So here I am. I know what I've left, but I haven't yet entered what I want more of. And she wrote this in the group just to say, I needed a space where I could say this and I wouldn't be judged. Here I am in the middle. Oh my goodness. How powerful is that? A woman who is able to speak Real. Cause I think we hear so many stories of here I was and then I made a change and look at how great my life is. You <laughs> know, like here I was working on Wall Street and then one day I did a bunch of downward facing dogs in yoga class and now I've changed my whole life and everything's great. And that's crap. There's always a middle to the story. And here's my client sharing her messy and magnificent middle. And of course you wouldn't believe all of the women that came out of the woodwork sending her notes of encouragement and support and relatability. Another woman said, oh my gosh, I also have been a binge eater. This is huge for me. I totally relate to this. It was really powerful. So this purgatorio, this dip down, this dark wood can be an uncomfortable time. And it helps to know that it's normal. (laughs) Let me actually clarify that. It is not normal for everyone. It is normal for the brave. It is normal for the extraordinary to feel scared or unsure or unclear. I think that there are folks who may never question why they are here. And they may never question if they're doing the right thing or the good thing or the true thing. They just do the next thing. They just, they see the low hanging fruit and they go for it. And God bless them. I mean, <laughs> there was times in my life where I had been envious of that, of like, why can't I just do what everybody else is doing and just be satisfied? That'd be so much freaking easier. And I think that there's some of us who ask questions and some of us who don't. And I don't think that one way is necessarily better than another. But for those who ask the questions of, is this true for me? Or what do I want in my life? Or what would I like to welcome more in? Or what might I let go of? It takes courage to be here. Because we're in that purgatorio. We're in that downward dip. We're in those, people call them these days, those dark nights of the soul for as long as it needs to happen. This is a time of reflection. This is when ideas start bubbling up. You might know from episode three, this is what we call the fertile void in my practice. We did an entire episode of this really fertile space where we don't know what to do next. I believe that was episode three. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. But then we begin to rise back up into the other side of the arc. We begin to rise out of purgatorio into paradiso or paradise. This is the other end of the arc. It's the other side of that smile shape. And when we reach the other end of that, we are no longer the same person. We are not the person who started this journey, or we are not entirely the same as the person who started this journey. We have become something different. We have learned things about ourselves in that unknown space that we couldn't have known before. For example, this client who was able to say, oh my gosh, every time in my life that I have felt scared or unfulfilled, I have sought to fulfill myself with food because it was readily available. It was right there in front of me and I was home alone and nobody was going to see me doing it. And I don't want to do that anymore. And she would have never have had that aha awareness had she not consciously allowed herself to take steps forward and enter an unknown space. So we've got to be able to be kind to ourselves. That's what it is in that moment of purgatorio of being able to recognize it for what it is. It does not mean that you are not on the right path because things have gotten scary or unclear or you don't know what to do next. I wish I could like take out a bunch of billboards around town in <laughs> all the areas where there's a lot of new age wellness types of folks, all my kind of people. Because there is so much myth out there that if we don't feel in alignment, and alignment is used as a really vague term. I have a very specific definition of alignment. So for me, alignment is when what we know to be true matches the actions we're taking. That is alignment. Alignment for me is when my actions match what I know to be true. So for example, my client was being in alignment when she said, what I know to be true about myself is that binge eating is not serving me. And so... I'm going to choose not to do that. Instead, I'm going to reach out to this group for support today and see if I can initiate a conversation and get some clarity and some other ideas moving forward, right? That's one, that's one example. But I think sometimes there's this myth that if things don't feel easy or breezy or super true all the time, then we've fallen off the path and it's crap. (laughs) Some of the best things I've ever done have been so freaking challenging, like that dip, that perk. Gatorio has kicked my butt to the curb. Elizabeth Gilbert calls it, forgive my language if you've got a little kid around, you know, put on your headphones right now, but she calls it the shit sandwich, right? She says every, in her, her example in her book, Big Magic, every career has a shit sandwich and you just have to decide what path or passion or interest do I have that I care about so much that I would eat the shit sandwich in order to keep living into it. That's how she feels about writing. (laughs) There are times she has said when she's writing and she is a number one New York Times bestselling author where she's writing, where she just feels thrown to the curb and back. It is kicking her butt just like things kick my butt. But she believes so wholeheartedly in the act of writing that she is willing to eat that shit sandwich and do the long research and struggle with it on the days when it's hard because there will be glimpses where it clicks right? It's not always feeling magical every day, but there will be those glimpses where it does, where we are reminded, oh yeah, this is what I want to be doing, or oh yeah, my curiosity is peaked here. So I think that that purgatory, it can be a really uncomfortable time, but we can also find ways to have relief. If we give ourselves some real talk and consider what might be true. So when I discussed this idea of the transformational arc with some of my clients last year, one cracked me up because I had just talked about the shit sandwich. So I just given the shit sandwich example. And one of my clients piped in, she's a nurse and she has begun to develop her own coaching practice. And she really sees herself beginning to do that full time. She working with women with alopecia. And so she's been kind of feeling like she has to do it all. Here she is a nurse working full time, but also wanting to create another business on the side. And so it's easy to put pressure on herself to do it all and I said, does anybody relate to this idea of the shit sandwich? And she goes, oh my God, I was literally taking a patient to the bathroom last week. He couldn't hold in his bowels and he evacuated all over me. And so literally... I was holding a shit sandwich in my hand. (laughs) And so here I am. I couldn't let the patient fall. I had to just deal with what was happening in real time. This was the situation. And it would have been really easy for me to say, oh my God, I want to quit nursing. This is terrible. She's like, but when I sat with it, what I know to be true is that I'm still fulfilled by nursing. I'm still learning a lot. It's paying the bills. And it actually makes sense for me to be here right now while I'm developing my coaching practice. And so the truth for her in that moment is I don't need to be doing one or the other. It actually makes sense for me to be in this current role while I'm getting clear on the new role that I want to create. And she felt like she could breathe again. She had the sigh of relief of like, why am I putting so much pressure on myself to have it all figured out right now? That doesn't feel true to me. That feels exhausting to me. What feels true to me is to continue going to the job I have and then taking a little bit of time each week, four or five hours to be developing my new practice. But I don't need to do both every day. And I just love this awareness that she has that there's not one place that she has to be, right? It's not all in or all out that there's this ability to sit with, okay, these are all the things before me and what actually makes sense for me right now, right? Like these are all these things I wanna be doing, but what actually makes sense for me to be doing right now? So I wonder for you, Of all the things you could be doing, if you didn't feel like you had to do them all, if you could just focus on a few of the things right before you, what would you want to focus on? What would you want to focus on? So another thing that we see a lot in this time of purgatorio is contrast, stark contrast, because we have gotten clearer now about what we do and we don't want. So. Another client, for example, who has been working for somebody else for a really long time and is clear that she wants to be able to do her photography practice full time. She doesn't want to have to be working for another organization in another role. As soon as she got clear that she was ready to leave that organization, oh my gosh, everybody at her current job started driving her crazy. She knew she was getting kind of burnt out, but once she got clear that she wanted to go, it was like the volume got turned up and everybody was driving her nuts and she's feeling extra depleted at the end of every day and super frustrated by it. And that's the contrast, right? That's the contrast that happens when we get clear. It's the, oh my gosh, (laughs) the difference between where I am and where I want to be feels really stark. And I believe that it was the Dalai Lama who said the cause of most human suffering is feeling the difference between where we are and where we want to be with not allowing ourselves to be where we actually are. Like believing in this myth that if we don't constantly push ourselves forward, that somehow we're going to get stuck. And so just in case you're out there feeling the contrast, know that you're right on time. Contrast is the impetus. I think of it like the rocket fuel. And if you've ever had the opportunity of watching a rocket launch, like it's saying NASA's putting a new spacecraft in the air. There's this moment, right, where they do the countdown, they hit ignition, and we see flames pouring out. We see the spacecraft shaking, right? There's all this combustion that's happening, but the plane hasn't taken off yet, or the spacecraft hasn't taken off yet. It's that moment of intensity that helps to propel us forward. So it is my belief that that stark contrast during a time of purgatory It was there, frankly, to piss us off. It is there to fire us up. It is there to light something underneath our butts so that we feel motivated to keep on going because where we were, we're very clear it no longer works for us. And so we're getting fired up. Kind of, it feels to me like the teenager phase of making a life change because you're, you're no longer just thinking that the world is great just as is. You've kind of reached teenagerness. where suddenly you've got angst. You're ready for things to be different. You want there to be more independence. You want there to be more freedom. You want there to be more of the things that you enjoy and you begin to feel a lot transformation that arc of growth it's a time of a lot of feels (laughs) that's what it is we feel a lot during this space so what makes it possible i promised i was going to share with you two things that women who are able to navigate their path already know and live into here is number one they refuse to be isolated all the time. They decide to have someone or something to process this experience with. I'll give you an example. I've got a client who is building a new website. She's a wellness person. She teaches yoga kind of workshops. And she has come to find that cultivating a group of friends that she can let in and what she's developing goes a really long way. Because then when she's having dark nights of the soul and she's feeling a little alone and confused in that dip, that purgatorio time, she can call on them and they will remind her that she's capable and that she's got this. And if you are feeling like, yeah, I'd freaking love to have a group of people who could be supporting me. Like, where does that come from? Just know that I'm kind of with you on that. I believe that not everybody has earned the right to hear your vulnerability. Not everybody is the kind of person that it's actually appropriate with to share what you're working on or the things you're scared about because they don't know how to respond or they're not going to respond in a way that's particularly helpful for you. So if you're wondering how to cultivate a group that can support you and you haven't listened to episode two where we talk about how to make meaningful adult relationships, hop on over to episode two. I'll put that link in this podcast. But I also want to float this out there that it doesn't have to be a person that you actually know that can help you navigate the time of purgatorio. This is a time where we can turn to the authors that uplift us and inspire us, or you can listen to somebody like Joan Borsanko. She's got all sorts of great free YouTube videos out there, or read people like Elizabeth Gilbert that I mentioned, or Seth Godin, or I love during times of navigating difficult path, Cheryl Strayed. She wrote the book Wild, but she also is the co-host of the Dear Sugar's podcast, which is a really powerful podcast where they're doing real life talk about what's up in people's worlds. Or this is where you turn to the poets that inspire you. I love Mary Oliver. There's something about her that roots me in presence and no longer feeling like I have to know or how everything is going to work out, right? So number one, what makes it possible is not daring to go it alone refusing to go it alone, not being an island onto yourself. And if you have one person in your life that you can reach out to, it's me. (laughs) You can definitely reach out to me. Or if there's somebody else that you know, or an author, a movie, a poet, a song, what lifts you up? Refuse to go it alone. And then number two, what makes it possible to navigate the path forward is courageous permission. And when I say courageous permission, I mean courageous permission not to know yet. We live in this extremist culture, like I said before, where it's kind of like it has to be all in or all out. It's either a heck yeah or a, a hard pass. And I don't know where that works well. I mean, maybe in certain situations, like I find actually, truthfully, I find that that works really well when I'm shopping for clothes. (laughs) Like, If I pick up something in the store and I'm not just so excited to own it, I don't buy it. Like if I'm not just thrilled beyond belief, I don't buy it. Even if it would function for that day or that event, I need a white sweater and it would get me through that day. I don't buy it because odds are I'm not going to wear it again. And I'm just going to sit in my closet and I'm going to feel guilty about it. So all in, all out works really well when buying sweaters for me. But it certainly doesn't work when making my important life decisions. That we've got to reframe this time for acceptance. There is a beautiful gift in having what Kate Northrup calls presence and progress. And we talk about that a lot in my practice, P&P, meaning we want progress, but we're also able to be present to what is good now. So we actually begin to accept things as they are. It doesn't mean, let me clarify, that you like them. <laughs> we got to keep it real here. We begin to state what we want without white knuckle gripping that it comes true. So that might sound something like this. I really would love to land the job I just interviewed for. I think it would be the greatest place in the world to work. It would be so great. But if I don't get it, I will apply for the next job. It will be okay. I'm not even sure how it's going to be okay yet, but I trust that it will because somehow my life has always found a way to work out even if it wasn't the way I expected. Or I really want this person to respond to my online dating profile, but if they don't, I will still live. (laughs) It will be okay. Or I really want this school to accept my child's scholarship application. We put a lot of work into it. I know it's the right place for them. And if it doesn't happen... We will figure out a way to make it work. Drew Rozell in his book, Let It Go, Manifest Anything by Giving Up and Letting Go. He gave a great example of this. He had found a house that he really wanted. It was his dream house. He had no idea if he was going to be able to get it. And he needed it within a certain time frame because he he needed to move out of where he was currently living. And he was so hoping that he would be able to get this house before he had to move out of his current place. But he realized that amount of pressure was just exhausting and stressing him out. And he said, you know what? I really hope everything goes through on this house in a timely manner so that I can move in there. But if it doesn't and I have to put my stuff in storage, that's not ideal that I have to go live with somebody else for a little while and all my things have to be boxed up and I have to pay for a storage facility. Not great, but you know what? I'll make it work. See, he refused to rush the process. As it turns out, he totally got the house in time and that was great, but he was refusing to rush the process. I've got to give you the funniest example of this. So I have got a brother in law. He's a real estate guy in Manhattan. He's very literal. We always joke that if the two of us had a podcast together, it'd be the funniest thing because in many ways we see the world very, very differently. And I, I love Matt to death. And we had gone on a family vacation to Cape May last year. And there was this one like beach chair that everybody was using. And I had seen him a a few times throughout the week, try to get that beach chair to close and it would finally work for him. So there was something sticky about the beach chair. And the last day we were there, it was me who was using that beach chair. And I'm trying to close this flipping beach chair so we could head back to the house and it would not shut. And I'm doing everything you're supposed to do and it wouldn't work. And so I call him over. I'm like, Matt, what's the deal with the beach chair? I've seen you close this thing. (laughs) Like, How do we make it close? And without being metaphorical or spiritual at all, he was being very literal. He said, Carly, the secret to getting the beach chair to close is not needing the beach chair to close. You got to just like shake it around in a bunch of weird different ways. And eventually something will click and it'll all work out. And he's looking at me and I'm having this huge like moment where, you know, when a puppy dog is just like heard something new or is confused and they tilt their head to the side. I'm like full on tilting my head to the side thinking, who am I talking to right now? This like metaphorical genius. And he's looking at me like, what are you looking at? Just close the beach chair. <laughs> and I, I have to share that example with you because because that's it, right? That's that courageous permission. That's the like, I have no freaking idea how this is going to work out. I would love for the beach chair to close, or I would love to get this job, or I would love for this person to love me back. And I'm just going to try a bunch of things. And I have no idea if it's going to work out. If it doesn't, I will be okay. So quick recap on what we've covered so far, because then I have a big question for you. We talked about the transformational arc. We talked about what the path forward actually looks like, because it sure as heck is not a straight line all the time. We don't become strong, clear leaders because everything is handed to us and things are easy. And when I say leaders, you might be a leader in your company or in your family or in your community, but a leader is somebody who is leading their own life. So even if you are just the leader of you, that is enough and that is huge. We become the leaders of our own path because we sit with those dips. We find ourselves in the dark nights and we've survived. Maybe we've even thrived and we've learned things in those unknown spaces about ourselves and about others that inform our future decisions. The unknown, it's not for the faint of heart. (laughs) It's for the brave. And this is one thing that I know about you, about the women who are listening to this podcast. You are courageous. You are working on things that nobody else knows you are doing. You are asking yourself these kinds of questions of, am I doing it right? Is this the path for me? What could it look like for me moving forward? What do I want more of? What could I let go? You are asking yourselves these questions someplace deep, Somewhere between where your muscle meets your bone and nobody else can see it, you are living into acts of courage in your everyday life as you begin to navigate it intentionally. So we covered what that arc looks like. Right? That it's not just a straight line. It's got some dips and that's a okay. Then we cover two things that people who navigate that arc do. The first is they don't dare to go it alone. They refuse to isolate themselves. They form a connection that will uplift them. And two is they give themselves courageous permission not to know yet. They allow themselves to be in the present even while they move towards progress. So here is what I want to know from you today. I wanna know what is one thing that stood out to you from this episode that you don't want to forget. Maybe it's something I shared or maybe it's an aha you've had, something that's clicked internally within you. I want you to take that idea and post it on Facebook or Instagram or send me a private DM if it's something personal, tag me in it. And by golly, if you have not let a comment yeah. On iTunes or wherever you listen in, that's another great space to do that because it helps more people see that this podcast exists and we support more women. Tell me, what is one thing that really stands out from this episode? And I've got to say this. I am so glad that we know each other, that we get to do this lifetime together, that we get to navigate the ups and downs, the dips, the messy middles, and the magnificence. Remember, woman, you thrive through nourishment, not punishment. Keep prioritizing what you value, including yourself, and I will see you again next week. Thank you for listening to the Messy and Magnificent podcast and being part of this dynamic, life-giving community of women. I consider each episode part of a lifelong conversation of you and me hanging out, sipping tea together, making sure that all women become richer, more nourished, and able to keep on rising. So I'll see you on the next episode next week. But in the meantime, don't forget to head over to carlyfane.com forward slash podcast to get the full show notes. And I've also got some extra special free resources for driven women over there that you won't find anywhere else.